everything to you. It is critical. And how many of you know that if that's the issue, that great burning desire in you to have or to go or to be, that you typically go after it like this, just moseying along. How many of you know that's not the way it is? What do we do when there is something that is consuming us and grabbing us and controlling us and just is preoccupying and is on the top level of our desire? We go after it with what? Zeal. With zeal we go after things. You see, it's not that we don't have zeal, it's what is our zeal for. The dictionary says, zeal is an enthusiastic devotion to a cause, an ideal, a goal, a tireless diligence in its furtherance or pursuit. That's what zeal is. It's not a nonchalant kind of, I can take it or leave it or I'll just get to it when I can. Zeal is that enthusiasm, that activity that is going to put everything else aside and I'm going to go after that thing until I have it. Isn't that what zeal is? We see that zeal in some of these young men of pivot as they begin to look around and the Holy Spirit begins to put a girl's name on the heart of that guy. We saw that zeal Sunday night with Jesse Varnado. Zeal. He didn't just kind of nonchalantly kind of, well, if you want to, if you can, you know, would you marry me? You know, this guy was directed. He was ready to go for what his heart wanted. Great zeal. Now, depending upon the object of the zeal, the result may be good or ill. Now, the zeal in and of itself isn't good and it isn't ill except for what it attains. You remember that Abel's zeal. Remember the Old Testament, Abel. Abel's zeal to worship God cost him his life. You remember Abraham's zeal to leave his country under the direction of the Holy Spirit, led to the birth of a great nation. You remember Esau's zeal for his stomach cost him his inheritance. You remember Moses' zeal to know God. I must turn aside and I must see. His zeal to know God moved him to forsake all of the wealth and riches of Egypt to become the shepherd of a nation in the wilderness. Remember King Saul's zeal for his crown lost him his crown. It cost him the very crown that he was zealous to maintain. Remember the zeal of a young man named Saul whose name later was Saul, Paul. His zeal for the law, his zeal for what he understood as God's will, led him to be the persecutor of the church. And so zeal in and of itself is important as its object is the right object. So let's read this morning these verses from John chapter 2, 13 to 25. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers seated. And he made a scourge of ropes, of cords, and drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. That must have been one awesome sight. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for thy house hath consumed me. And then the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us as to your authority for doing these things? 
And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it took 46 years to build the temple, and you are going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. He knew what was in their hearts. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Father, this morning, we pray. that your zeal will increasingly become our zeal. Father, we pray that you would graciously but compellingly show us and give us a taste of what your zeal is all about. Father, we pray that this church would be a church known zeal for thy house has consumed Lakeview Christian Center. Father, we ask you to do this not because a man preaches, not because a man has very little ability, but because this is your great joy. Touch our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus enters the temple on Passover. He's going there to worship. And he walks in and he sees this array of merchandising activity. And as he sees this, something begins to well up in this man from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. The fury of God begins to rise up in him. And as a result of that zeal of God, as a result of that fury of the Lord for the polluting of God's temple, the Lord Jesus takes the rope. And he begins to steadfastly march down through the court of the Gentiles where he was. And begins to take that rope and whip it around and knocking tables over. And people are going places and birds are going places and oxen are going places and money is going places. The fury of the Son of God because of the zeal for God's house and the way the people were treating the house and the contempt that they had. For the great purpose of God in the temple. And the Holy Spirit told the disciples at that time, and He reminded them, when they saw Jesus' activities and His face and the anger of God all over this man, they remembered the Scripture, Zeal for thy house hath consumed me. Zeal for thy house hath consumed me. Why so much fury? Why such a devotional fury from Jesus? Oh, that we all would have such devotional fury and zeal. Amen? Why such fury? You see, the temple, the temple as it stood in Jerusalem, we won't go back and give you the history of all the temple buildings, but the temple as it stood there, it represented and anticipated the day of God's greatest desire and joy. You see, the temple in and of itself was not the final object. The temple in and of itself as a building was not God's complete design. It was there to look somewhere else. It was there to be an earthly reminder and an earthly activity of that which would come. 
And that would be the day of the greatest fulfillment of God's desire and God's joy. The day when God's faithfulness would finally be realized. One of the most amazing things, if you would, read the Old Testament from cover to cover with this thought. In the face of continual and obstinate rebellion on the people, on the part of the people of God, in the face of so much sin and debauchery and refusal, in the face of so much weakness, there is a determined tenacity of God to do what He desires to do. There is a faithfulness to God that cannot be overlooked and is absolutely surprising and absolutely empowering and freeing and should be a great comfort to us. Don't read the Old Testament to find out how many rocks David had in his pouch and how big Goliath was and how big this river was and how many soldiers Pharaoh had. Read it from the perspective of finding out the determined faithfulness of God. You see, the temple represented several thousand years of God's determination and zeal It represented and it anticipated the day when God would dwell in the midst of, in His, within, among His people forever. It anticipated this greatest day when on that day we shall see His face, face to face, forever in fellowship and in communion with the Lord. God is anxiously desiring one work, and that is to be joined with His people and to His people forever in a community of such joy and satisfaction and glory that He is bubbling over with excitement. You see, this is the zeal of God. It compels Him. It moves Him. And anything in the way is destroyed by Him. It's the zeal of our God. How will it be accomplished, Isaiah? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Nothing stands in the way of God's zeal. You see, Jesus' entire life and ministry was undergirded by the zeal to accomplish God's great design and desire, and that is for a people in whom His greatness would dwell forever and with whom His joy may be shared forever. That's the zeal of God. One object to the zeal. See, Jesus was a single-minded, narrow-minded man. He has one object. He came for one thing. He came for one thing. He didn't come to clean up the world. He came for the house of God. He came to purchase a people. He came so that God would finally, fully and forever, dwell in the midst of His own people whom He has foreknown before the foundation of the world. He came for the church. It's a single devotion of Jesus Christ. See, what motivates and moves us? What moves me? What motivates me? What causes me to be the man that I am? What causes me to pursue what I pursue? To want what I want? To go where I go? To say what I say? Is it the zeal for thy house? Or is it a mixture of zeal? And for me, it's a mixture. But I want it to increasingly be a pure zeal 
ever being purified by the work of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis so that at the end of this life, God may be able to say, zeal for my house hath consumed this man. And that is exactly what God wants for each of us in this church. That when we stand before Him one day, He can say to each one of us individually, with great joy and with a great smile on His face, zeal for my house consumed you. Am I zealous for what God is zealous? And I know the answer is no. But do I want to be? Do I want to be? Do I want to be? You see, all of the energy and power of God's zeal centered on this one purpose. All of the energy and the power of God's zeal centered on this one purpose. To have a people in whom He would dwell, in whom He would be glorified, as they enjoy His presence forever, as He enjoys their enjoyment. I said this before. There's nothing greater in a natural sense than the joy that we experience by doing something wonderful for those whom we love. There's certainly joy on the part of the recipient, but there's much greater joy on the part of the giver. It is better to give than to receive. This is God's heart. Imagine to share with us the totality of His joy and of His goodness, of His grace, of His mercy, of His kindness in the, in the presence of His holiness Forever, Can you imagine what it must be to God waiting for that day when His family finally and forever will be home again? Those of you who went away to school, maybe at boarding school or some kind of school away, especially when you were younger, know what it is to anticipate the day of going home. And those of you who have had loved ones away, and waiting for them to come home. Know what it is to anticipate the day when you will see the face of your loved one once again. Amen? It's great joy. It's God's zeal. It's consuming the Lord Jesus. You see, we see the zeal of God throughout the Old Testament as He moves to accomplish His purpose. The Old Testament is the history of God's determined zeal to do what He will do, and that is to have a people in whom His great joy, His great glory is manifested forever. Do you remember Adam sinned? What was the first thing? What was the first thing that happened? Adam, where are you? Immediately, God began to call man back. Immediately. God began to call Adam. You remember years later, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham and commanded him to leave his country for another country. Why? Because there's a zeal in God to have a house forever. You remember after Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees and went into Canaan land, years later, 430 or so years later, the zeal of the Lord of hosts moved upon another man. Another man who left the courts and the hallowed halls of Egypt and went into the wilderness for 40 years and then one day was called through a burning bush by the zeal of the Lord of hosts as the zeal of God was placed into Moses and Moses was raised up to be the great commander and leader to destroy the works of Egypt that had dared to touch the people of God and lead them into the wilderness to establish them as a nation of God upon the earth. The zeal of God for His purpose never stops until the purpose is finally fulfilled in heaven forever. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 19 in the Old Testament. 
Exodus chapter 19, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the determined passion of God. You see, sometimes we miss it because every verse doesn't say, I'm determined and I'm passionate and I'm zealous. It looks just like ordinary things. But within the context of the, quote, ordinary move of God, there is a steam engine going and blowing. Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 to 6. Listen to the words that the Lord said to Moses about his people. And the Lord called to Moses from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house, see it? House, household, family, people, loved ones. Don't miss these words in your Bible. Thus you shall say, shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel. You see, it's... Family terminology, don't you see? House, family, sons, daughters, children. It's God's family. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you out on wiggles wings and brought you to myself. Why did God do that to the Egyptians? Because the zeal of God was going to burn away and totally destroy anything and anyone that got in the way of Him having a people for His own possession. Don't stand in the way of this mighty and glorious God as He's on the march to accomplish His purpose. Don't do it. God's not a gentleman. He will roll right over you. Or He'll do whatever He needs to to bring you in to be His family member. Thank God He is not a gentleman. Please spit the theology of that out of your mouth. Thank God He's an all-consuming fire for His purpose. I don't want a gentleman. He'll wait for me and wait for me and I'll be lost forever. I want a man, a God, who will come crashing through the doors of my life to say, here I am. That's the God I want to serve, and that's the God we do serve. You see, he says this, Now then, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own personal possession. Among all the peoples, all from all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So the Lord commanded Moses to build a tabernacle, an earthly and temporary place for his dwelling among his people. That tent that moved with them in the wilderness. But Adam braided that building which would be built years later, which Adam braided then a man who would come one day. And in that man, the people of God would dwell forever in the halls of heaven. Years later, the Lord anointed a young man named David, a nobody. A nobody from nowhere doing nothing as far as the world was concerned. And he anointed David to be the man who would put everything in place for the building of the great temple. 1 Samuel 13, 14 says this, The Lord has sought out for Himself a man after His own heart. How many of us have heard that David is a man after God's own heart? How many of us have heard that over and over again? But why David? What does that mean? 2 Chronicles 6, 8 tells you what, what a man after God's own heart. How many of us want to be people after God's own heart? Is there anything greater than that? Is there any call superior to that? People of God's own heart and soul and desire and purpose. What does it mean? Second Chronicles 6, 8. The Lord said to David, this is Solomon speaking, because it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. The heart of God, you see, Always has been, that's why God created, and always will be. That's why we're going to heaven. One purpose, and that is to collect His people within a family context before Himself forevermore. You see, the temple would remain for years and years. It would remain 
the place of God's presence until God would actually dwell within His people, fulfilling His zeal. The temple is going to remain there as the external revelation of God is among us. That's the first step. God is among us. And one day, He's moving from, from among us to what? Within us. Then one night... Don't pass it by quickly. For thousands of years, the angels have been waiting for this night. The Lord of hosts has prepared everything for this night. Then one night, in the plan and timing and purpose of God, zeal of God comes in a man. No wonder we read these words. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were very afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Great joy. Which shall be to all the people. Because unto you is born this day in the city a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The joy of God to finally... Bring about within the context of human history His one zeal and passion through this one man. Everything has been moving from the very beginning to one man. And in this one man is contained the totality of of everything that God desires and hopes to accomplish and will accomplish. Everything is in this one man. Everything. Finally, God's zeal to be united with His people forever in the joy of fellowship would be accomplished, but oh, at what a cost to God. What a cost. What a cost to God. You see, when, remember when Jesus entered the temple, remember when He cleansed the temple, what was the question? Can you give us authentication of what you're doing? Can you prove to us that you're supposed to be doing this? Remember what Jesus said in John verse 19 and then verse 21? He said, destroy this temple. Now look at me. Look, look destroy this temple, I believe he was pointing to himself. I don't think he said this, destroy this temple. Destroy this temple. What is he saying that for? Because you see, Jesus knows fully that the payment to bring about the accomplishment of the zeal of the Lord of hosts will be at the highest price to him and to his Father. Because you see, no man can watch his son die such a death or any death without also himself suffering greatly. So you see, there's suffering in heaven and there's suffering on earth. But Hebrews 12 says what? For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the glory of the throne of God forever. Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. Verse 21, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. You see, the earthly temporary temple <clears throat> was being replaced with the permanent temple. It was being replaced by Jesus himself through his death and through his resurrection. Jesus himself 
is the walking, breathing, living temple of God that all the other tabernacle, the tabernacle and all the other temples adumbrated, looked toward, prefigured, and waited until the day of this birth of this man and the coming forth of the literal temple of God upon the earth in a man, Jesus Christ. He is the temple of God because in Him, man and God come together perfectly in perfect unity forever and are never to be separated again. Amen? Aren't you glad of that? No more separation. You see, the day of Lord's zeal was finally here to accomplish God's eternal purpose. No wonder you see in Luke when Jesus is sitting down at the table of the Passover and He says this, I have lusted, epithumia, greatly and earnestly desired to have this meal with you. Why? Because from the very beginning when I said, let there be light, I knew that this day would come and that I would fulfill all of the purpose of my Father in creation and bring it to its grand finality, finale and, cre- and, and fruition in myself, by myself, on the cross and through the resurrection to the glory so that you could be with me forever. Amen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts. What a zealous God we serve. So Jesus dies, rises again, and 50 days later, no wonder the Holy Spirit comes in such a rushing, mighty wind, tongues of angels, and a shaking, and it sounds like a freight train going through, because finally God says, let it loose, let it loose, and let's go get the folks and bring them in. Amen? What the excitement of God to do this. You see, I think we forget about God's joy and excitement about what is occurring in our lives. Grace gives God great excitement. We're not the only ones getting excited about grace. God is more excited to flow it out in great rivers of grace. Amen? Amen. So the day of Pentecost was realized and the zeal of God finally comes into the world in His people through the birth of the church. The people in whom God dwells forever and in whom He displays the glory of His grace and power and wisdom. You remember the words of Moses on the mountain about a holy nation? Listen to these words, First Peter. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a family for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the family, the people, the household of God. You did not have, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, all that God has desired and promised is now fulfilled in one people, the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and support of the truth. What is the place of the church? The church is the central place of God's heart and desire and zeal. Nothing else. There's nothing there that can compete with the church. And there's nothing there that would ever take the place of the church. The church, the living people of God who have been purchased at the highest price to be in the highest place forever. The church, the church is God's, the place of God's power. You remember? The gates of hell shall never, what? Prevail against my church. Let hell come. Let Satan and all his minions and demons gather up and let Satan's gang forcefully, completely, and in their entirety attack the gates of my church and they're going to bounce off and bounce right back into hell. There's no demonic activity that can overcome the power of God to birth His church and to maintain His church and to preserve His church and to have a church forever. It's not going to happen. 
when you're attacked, don't give in to the attack. Know that you have a God of great zealous power who will keep us until the end of the days. The church is a living temple of God's presence. The living temple. God Himself in fullness is among us now and forevermore. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of, the, of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What that temple was in the Old Testament, we are today in absolute immeasurable greatness beyond whatever that temple could ever have. I want to say the word adumbrate, typified. Adumbrate means to look forward to something. The church is the body of Christ. We're members of His body. We're the body of Christ, Colossians says. How do you treat one another? How do you act toward one another? How do you care for one another? How do we think about one another? What attitudes and motives? Do you realize that as we do it to the least one of these, did somebody say that one time, you're doing it to Jesus? Is that in Matthew 25 somewhere? As you've done it to the least one of these. We're the body of Christ. The way we handle one another, care for one another, serve one another, meet with one another. We're doing it to Jesus. Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm not persecuting you. I'm trying to get these crazy Christians out of here. Me. Me. You see, Jesus and the body are one. Are one, John 17 says. We're the bride of Christ. You touch a man's bride and you more than touch the man. Amen, brothers? All of y'all should have jumped up and said amen on that. Your wives are now wondering what in the world was that. You touch a man's bride and you more than touch the man. That's right. You let me come down there and start slapping your wife around a little bit. You're going to kill me. Touch my wife. We'll see what happens. You see, the... The apple of God's heart, the bride of Christ. With the object of God's great joy filled grace. And the Lord your God is in the midst of you. You see, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Amen. Is it okay to shout occasionally for joy? Because God certainly shouts. Let us be a people who shout for joy that the joy of God is in us because nothing pleases Him more than to us to get excited about Him in the midst of us. Come on, we can't be a dead church. We've got to be a church that shows the world that God is in us. And what kind of a God is He? He's a great and holy and zealous God full of wrath for sin. And having had mercy at the cross, He's raised up Christ so we can live with Him forever. What a great God we serve. The zeal of the Lord of hosts performs His, don't you see? Let us not be a people just sit here and go. Let us get excited about what God is doing in our lives. Glory, let's get excited about it. I'm trying to catch my breath. I can't go any further than this. I'm old. If it were Matt or Jeff, they could do it. Keith can't, but the other two could. I'm going to wear those garters one day and I'm going to get this thing better. Look, seriously, there is something that is too unexciting among us as God's people. Yes, we're growing in excitement, but we're not even beginning to come to the surface of what God wants for us. When I gave my grandson that nice pocket, uh, uh, what do you call it, a pocket knife with his name on it, I didn't want him to say, thank you, Papa. I want excitement. I want joy. I want, wow, look at this. Thank you, Papa. That's what I want. Because it causes me to say, yes! I don't want some kind of serpentine like I used to give the people. That's nice. <laughs> Thank you. May I have the other gift? I want you to bubble over and overflow with it. And isn't that what God wants of us? You see, it cost Him the greatest cost to give us the greatest prize. Come on. You see, the church is the object of Jesus' ministry. Husbands, love your wives just in the same way as Christ loved the church. 
and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless, the church. The church is God's means of glorifying His Son. And He put all things... May I repeat that? And He put all things... May I say it one more time in case you didn't get it? Because you see, we tend not to get what God says because we're too much in a hurry to get the reading done. He put... I can't hear you. One more time. Oh things where under subjection to the feet of the Son of God. What opposes the people of God? Everything. And what shall overcome the people of God? Nothing. But all things under subjection under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him, who fills all in all. You see, God's heart is for and in the church. It's for the church and it's in the church. What's in your heart? Isn't there an ad? What's in your wallet? Is, remember there's an ad? <clears throat> What's in your heart? What's in my heart? Every one of us has zeal for something. Something we want. We want to go somewhere. We want to be somebody. What motivates us? What is the object of our zeal? What moves us? One of the things I would ask you to do this week is to go before the Lord and ask Him to tell you. How is my zeal for your house doing? Listen to this from 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. <clears throat> Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to each one of us everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. And by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers, partakers, partakers of the divine nature with God, you see, with God forever, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, that being true, therefore now, for this very reason also, because of what God has done, let us apply all diligence to your faith. Let's not just be a people who hoot and holler and amen and hallelujah in church, but let's leave the church hallelujahing in obedience by grace. To our God. Let us have the same zeal out there as we do in here when Matt is banging the ivories. And supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge and in your knowledge, self-control and in your self-control, perseverance and in your perseverance, godliness and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, how to get along with one another and in your brotherly kindness, love, you see. How zealous does God want us to be for His purposes? Well, how far are you going to take this, brother? How, how zealous? What does God say? He says that you either be zealous or not. If you're not zealous, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Did you read it in Re Revelation? That's what that means. What does He say? He says, if you're lukewarm, what? I'm going to spit you out. We need to make a decision this morning, friends, family. I think, compared to someone like Paul, all of us would say we're what? Ooh, don't put me behind Paul when you have the, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Stand before the Lord, the judgment. I want to be behind him because I know he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> you know, those people who, you know, I feel better being behind that person. Don't put me behind someone like Paul and Peter and John. I'll sweat. <laughs> you know. What does my zeal look like? Is it lukewarm? Well, but I have so many difficulties and you don't know and it's hard. 
Zeal for thy house will face the difficulties and eat them up in obedience to God. How zealous does God want us to be for His purposes? Completely zealous. What does my zeal look like about my level to the commitment of God's church? You notice we didn't get in and talk about this is a church and the activities. You know, there's just so much here. But I believe this morning what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to generate in us and to stoke the fires in us. Will we be a people that have a passion for God's passion, a zeal for God's zeal? Will we be a people who will say, yes, I understand, my zeal isn't nearly what it needs to be. So, Father, I'm asking you to begin to stoke the fires of your zeal in me that I might grow in zeal for your purposes. Can we at least we do that? Can at least we do that? Keith, you need to come up. Amen. I just pulled an old song out that Matt couldn't remember. Exactly. The zeal of God has consumed me, but, you know, Matt's in his 30s and uh, can't travel there with us. You know, one of the things that, as Peter highlighted this, I, I thought that there may be some folks here who who need to be able to receive a God who turns tables over into their own hearts. Zeal... Zeal is full of heat. But if the only image that you have as a believer is the zeal of God that is full of wrath, then you you almost can't see God correctly. Because God has a zeal for you as His own, as Peter highlighted. God's heart toward His own people, His passion, His joy. Do you have a sense this morning, and I wonder if there's some folks here who maybe you don't have a sense that God would turn tables over to get at issues, to bless your life. That's what the temple was. It was a place for the presence of God to come and to invigorate the people of God, for them to experience His presence and His care, and that which was lacking in, the, in, his li- in, the, in our lives. And this is just a little bit of a theological boundary for us this morning in Romans chapter 9. It says, what if God, desiring to show His wrath and to make known His power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy, which He has prepared beforehand for glory. There's no question, this God who is red hot, He is angry, and He's turning tables over. See, because the temple of God was mean, it was meant to be a dispensary of grace. It was the place where the mercy and grace of God could flow into people's lives. Remember what the priests proclaimed when they laid their their hands on the animals and slayed them. The priests got to proclaim forgiveness. You're forgiven. When the folks who were lepers and they were banished apart from humanity and they came to the temple, though, if they had received healing, they came to the temple. And the priests got to proclaim, you are healed. You are no longer an outcast. You are now welcome amongst the people. See, when you turn the temple into something else, you interfere with God dispensing love and grace and care for His people. Now, I wonder if some of us here today, when when we hear a God who comes into the temple and throws things over and dumps over tables, He's only a God who's mad, and He's probably mad at me right now too. Well, do you understand? His anger is because He's reserved mercy. If you belong to Him, Oh, please know this. If you don't belong to Him, 
you are the other person in this passage. That God, what does it say here? Desiring to show His wrath. Oh, God does intend on showing forth His wrath. Just not on vessels that were prepared for mercy. Do you understand? You don't walk into a china closet of those things that you have prepared with which you love and start swinging a baseball bat in that room. That's not how God would deal with you. You who are a vessel of mercy. God might knock some stuff over on his way to getting to you. But when he gets to you, it will not be to pour out his wrath on you. It will be to be zealous for his mercy to find your life. Do you see the difference here? If you don't know God, please know the fury of a holy God will one day consume you. And you will fall underneath the condemnation of God. And he will, he will pour out his wrath without apology. But for those who are in Christ, those who are saved, those who have received the grace of God, this same zeal of God now is a zeal for mercy to find its way into our lives. God is as, if I can say it this way, God's as merciful as he is wrathful. Wrath sounds like it's more impressive, doesn't it? Oh, mercy is noisy. Mercy is rich. Mercy is powerful. Mercy is high voltage. Same God. Zealous for you to receive mercy. Let's stand up together. Lord, this morning, most folks here have at some point come into relationship with you, Lord. This is, this is your church. This is those for whom you have sent your Son to gather from the, the fields stones that would be gathered together, living stones they would become, being built together as a dwelling place for the presence of God. Lord, that's who you have before you predominantly here this morning. And yet we're reading a passage where smoke seems to be coming off the Son of God as He enters the temple. And He dumps over tables. And Lord, as Peter shared with us, thank You for Your purpose that You had in mind. That before time began, Lord, in this room, You chose vessels of mercy. And they are here this morning. And God, I thank you. If there's zeal coming off of you today, it's not a zeal to pour out wrath on our lives. It's a zeal to pour out mercy. You want to lavish mercy. You want to lavish grace upon our lives. And Lord, we are very aware that we would not be deserving here today. We are very aware, Lord, of that. Lord, please blow our minds by in our hearts revealing the tables you are knocking over right now. Our tables that are in your way of your mercy flowing into our lives. Lord, there are some here this morning that that only are aware of their sin, only aware of failing, only aware that you should be angry with them. Lord, right now, would you come by your Spirit, Holy Spirit, be in this place, communicate, touch, Draw out hearts. Be specific, Lord. Would you come and use names in this moment? Would you come and bring to mind moments where anger was the activity in a heart that got expressed this past week? Where private sin and secret sin that no one knows about was trafficked in. Oh, Lord, and you are loose in this temple. Would you communicate you are loose?